Hi there, I'm Dave Butler. I'm Stefan Tager. Welcome to Revival Podcast. This is a good news brand podcast, and we are so happy that you're here. Happy day of double blessings if you're listening on a Tuesday. If you're not listening on, to, on a Tuesday, happy day of single blessings. <laughs> but we wish for you double blessings. Um, this is a, a good news sharing podcast. That's what we do. We just share the the good news of the gospel that will like revive us and thrill us into a uh, into a life of faith. You know, just and we're so excited that you're here. Absolutely, the gospel is meant to actually motivate us into righteousness naturally out of growing out of the good news that God sent His Son to die for us. And so, whoa, we, that was like that the was encycl- heavy, that, that was, was encyclopedia big, of theology you know, or whatever. And but I know we got right into it. But and so my nor- my normal line is uh, faith ain't dumb, <laughs> and you and you. And you <laughs> You do the, uh, you just did the Oxford version of Faith Ain't Dumb. I apologize. I'll be, why? <laughs> you're from the East Coast. I'm Texas. This is why this works. You know, this is, this is like you, I'm high church. you're, you're Massachusetts. Church. I'll be Texas. Texas. Are there two states that are more opposite than Massachusetts yeah. and Texas? Uh, I don't know. I don't think anyone's ever answered that in the history of planet Earth. <laughs> it's kind of rhetorical. Yeah. You know? Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> probably like Hawaii and Connecticut. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I even love Connecticut. Have you ever been to Connecticut? I think I drove through it. Oh, it's so I got beautiful. a pin on my map, I know, for it. So I think I drove through it, but I just don't know if I, you know, whatever. My aunt. Is from Connecticut. We well, now we know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you call your your parents' sister? You call them little little insects. Little, little you ants? are so dumb. Finish your Connecticut story. <laughs> it's just a beautiful state. It really oh, okay, is. yeah. That's well, yeah. yeah. That's why this works. I'm telling you, your East Coast with your Burberry coat or whatever you were trying to show me <laughs> online earlier. <laughs> Bar- Bar- barber jackets. That's what the royal family wears. See, yeah, this so, is the thing, so cool. and I'm sweet tea. <laughs> All right, are you ready, Dave? I got a question for you. Speak. You got to be honest, authentic. This is a podcast, okay? Mm. So you got to be real, okay? You can't lie. For the first time this uh, this season, <laughs> I will speak the truth. How do you picture heaven, Dave? Like when, you, when I say heaven, oh how my do you picture gosh. it? Not okay. not metaphorically, like like oh, heaven's you know a BYU game with a cougar tail and something. No, I mean like. The actual place heaven. Physical yes. look of heaven? Yeah. How do you picture it? Cul-de-sac. Are you I serious? legit, yeah. Really? Whenever I talk about heaven, I always think about like, who's going to live in my cul-de-sac? Mm. And it gets it keeps getting bigger and bigger the more years that I live. It's a giant. <laughs> Maybe the world is round for that reason. Because <laughs> it's like, heaven's got to be round. Because like, I, just I want thought, everyone I said, to live. What, what goes on in your mind? Like that? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I it's such a cool place to live, my mind. But I just, and, I, and everyone has like a really cool house that has a perfect backyard for gathering and then a perfect Actually, you don't need the inside because there's no winter in my heaven. So, like, <laughs> all you need is that out, that indoor outdoor with yeah. the big sliding glass doors that open up onto the porch. The kitchen goes into the porch, backyard pool. All that, like, everyone has one of those. You just trade houses every week, and oh. there's a wiffle ball field. Oh, I love wiffle in ball. the back. You know, because I know you told me not to be metaphorical or whatever you just said to me. Is metaphorical, <laughs> y'all? I'm from Smart Texas, but that's just the only time that that, that word. Um, but, but this is a true statement that I, the night before Jack went into the MTC, um, we love summertime wiffle ball at our house, just so you know, like 
I love it. And the night before he went into the MTC, that's what we did. Oh. He brought all of his best friends and all his siblings. And the kids, the five younger kids, retired his number and hung it on the back fence. Oh, my goodness. Where there is a 78 duct taped in you know numbers for 78 yards like that's how, the back center field and they retired his his number and uh and we played wiffle ball like oh. with the lights on and and our neighbors hated us for one night but um and it was uh then when it was over this is true i we gathered up all those friends they're about to say goodbye and i said to him if there's ever a time in your life when someone says to you, I don't believe heaven is real, you can say back to them, that's not true. I've actually been there mm-hmm. on a Sunday night under the lights in Lehigh, Utah. Like I, I've been. And so I know that's too much metaphor, but that's why that wiffle ball field would have to be in that, in that backyard too. I love that. And it actually fits perfectly with what we're talking about. And that was not a planned the the what is what is how do you picture heaven was planned but that wiffle ball analogy is perfect um, because a lot of times we think heaven and I know you're on a flow here so you can just keep going on this flow oh, but I'm, I'm totally but not. I actually want to hear about your heaven but please but finish your thought because <laughs> you were going somewhere and I think you should um, because sometimes we want to say it, actually to get clear about what heaven is not. It actually helps you see what heaven is. And watch what Elder Christofferson says. That's who's, that's the talk we're studying is one in Christ, Elder, Elder Christofferson. And he says, Among the reasons the Lord gave as to why the early saints of Missouri had failed to establish a place of Zion. Now, what what is Zion? It's heaven trying to break in on this earth. That's what it is, right? It's trying to come. It's like when heaven is established, the kingdom of heaven comes, right? He says, they, and wait, wait, wait. I, and I, would you say like actually living the patterns of heaven, like living yes. heaven is Zion? Yeah. So, so like I, there's a, a yearning for Zion. There's a building of Zion. But if we were to say Zion is established, what would we, what would we say? We'd say heaven has, now heaven is now here on earth. Okay. Okay. And, and, and it's broken forth. Right. Like it's it, the, the, what do you call it when you like dig the first oh, shovel full? Like um, you broke ground. You broke ground. Yeah. Zion, oh, Zion has broke. We have broken. I don't know how to word that, but it's <laughs> There's something really cool that's, that's a, coming. That's that. I love that. And it, one of the big mistakes a lot of times with um, traditional Christianity and in our own faith tradition is sometimes people think heaven is something I die and go to. Hmm. And that might, there is a, there, you know, you could go into the presence of God. That's true. But the emphasis of the New Testament and particularly the restoration is bringing heaven to earth. That's mm-hmm. what we're trying to do, right? It seems like Jesus like broke ground in what's that chapter Matthew four when he's just like yeah ma- yeah the kingdom absolutely. of God is here. here that was the first shovel yeah. turn that's the first thing John the Baptist says that's the first thing Jesus says in Matthew it's the first thing he tells the apostles that he says go tell people the kingdom of heaven is now here mm. right so we'll finish the quote he says and Missouri had failed to establish a place of Zion because it was Missouri probably <laughs> we want to talk about opposite states I'm just playing all you folks in Missouri I love you. <laughs> It says that they, quote, are not united according to the union required by the law of the celestial kingdom. And so what were they missing? You know, Are you about to unpack that line? Yes. Okay. Okay. Because heaven is not just a place of individualistic righteous people who have learned to be really self-disciplined and holy. What the Savior said that they missed in Missouri was that they were not united according to the union required by the law of the celestial kingdom. Hmm. At the heart of what heaven is, Zion, you know, is actually humans who have learned how to work well together. 
Mm. And I want to, and I just like know for sure that holiness is the purpose of it is actually to make us better in relationship to others, to families, to God. It's to create community. That's the purpose of righteousness. It's okay, so it. what you'd say is, let me just individual oh, yeah. holiness and righteousness. The purpose of it is relationship to make us better at relationship and community. That's mm. that's what we're doing. And so that that's night, awesome. that night when you were playing wiffle ball with your, you know. Uh, you were the right kind of humans at the right kind of time. And uh, it was just that unity and goodness and love and connection. That's, that's heaven. That's what it is, right? Mm. It, was, it was breaking out in that moment. And people who take up a life of holiness and righteousness, they invite that more and more into their life. Uh, you know? Yeah. Because it makes it more and more possible. Is I that think the, so. Yeah, absolutely. Makes relationship richer. Like right. if two holy righteous people come right. together, the relationship is actually richer. Right. And when, the problem is, is that when people hear holy or righteous, they think self-righteous. And those are incredibly <laughs> difficult people to be around. And we all, <laughs> right, and we, all, we all deal with that, right, in ourselves. But I am working on my own holiness and my own righteous way of living so that I can be in better relationship with God, with people. Right, right. Elder Christopherson says, where God prevails in all hearts and minds, holiness, righteousness, goodness, the people are described as, quote, in one, the children of Christ. Hmm. And so they become one. <gasps> Which makes it right? so awesome because then it makes, I, I'm so happy, the children of Christ. It makes it feel like a family. Right, right. right? Absolutely. Bo yeah. Born into this family of, and there's something cool about that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so just to have that goal, of like wanting to seek unity in the world, in my family, in community, in the church as a whole, uh, just changes the way I see heaven, the way I see my goals, the way I see my life. Like, oh yeah, we're, we're here to try to build this unity. Yeah, and I would say in my experiences so far in life, there are some richness of blessing. There's some aspects of the character and presence and nature of God that I cannot experience by myself. Hmm. I sure, I can, I can experience like um, just the richness of heaven alone to some degree, but I just think that like it would end there. You, you can't experience God and heaven in its greater measure unless it's with other people. Yeah. Don't you think there's some blessings that are reserved for groups of people? Yeah, absolutely. And and life is messy and it's complicated and families and communities and friendships are messy. But um, all of us, uh, at fundamental what it means to be a human is to live in contact with other humans. Yeah. And so in some way or another, we get to practice this. And right? it, it must make sense that like, if other people cause our greatest frustrations, then they must... Yeah. On the flip side of that opposition in all things, right. be the answer to our greatest thrills. Yeah, I should not feel so good after BYU wins a football game. Like it, <laughs> but <that> explain. <laughs> it's like the ups and the downs, right? And it's because that's as humans, we're naturally invested in relationship. Um, watch what Elder Christopherson says. He says, in our extremely contentious world, how can unity be achieved, especially in the church, where we have to have one Lord, one faith one baptism, and then he answers, only in Jesus Christ can we truly become one. Okay, which is actually, I didn't think about this till you were just reading that. 
How can unity be achieved, especially in the church? And there could be a thought that somebody has that, well, there is unity because we're all members of the same church. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait, then you've missed it. If you actually think belonging to the same organization is what creates unity, then, oh, then you're probably not mm, trying to create it. Like, it doesn't end there. Maybe it begins there, but it just, that surely isn't, like, the end. Right. Yeah, absolutely. In, in connection with that, often the the wrestle that has to happen to reach the kind of real authentic unity that you're talking about is on what issues are we going to be the same on and what issues can we allow for difference? And anyone who doesn't wrestle with that, I, oof, I'd, <laughs> I'd be careful about listening to their advice on what it means to have unity. Yeah. Because there's yeah. always going to be a tension there. Because some people will say like, hey, why don't we just all do our own thing? We'll just, everyone will be, and then you don't really have community. You don't have boundaries, right? Right. But the heart of having a community is saying, we agree on this set of norms for yeah. our community, right? Whether it's faith or whatever it is. And then on the other side too, though, and 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 uh, and that means that there's some, you know, there has to be some give and take because sometimes I just go along with something because that's what the community asks for. In, f- in fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians and in Romans, he talks about Christian liberty. You also see this in Matthew 17. Just thought I'd throw out all those. Yeah, I know. You know, DNC uh, 44 and also... Uh, Sorry, forgive me. Psalms. Speaking of self-righteous. Um, and he, we, we get this idea taught that, look, sometimes you just... Paul says, look, can you eat meat offered to idols? It's not, it's not evil in and of itself, but don't do it because mm. it might offend others. Hmm. And so sometimes we act and dress and speak and talk and do things a certain way because we're so secure in God's love that I don't need to constantly prove all of the time that I'm free. I can go along with the community sometimes for the good of the community. And and frankly, people who have that spiritual gift, I just feel like they're just so mature, yeah. so settled, right. so happy. Like, oh, okay, this is how we dress in our faith community. This is how we worship. I can go along with that. I, that's fine. That's great because there's more important things. You know, you know that 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 discussion that happens in Corinthians and Romans is the most. I mean, sometimes you read things in, you know, the New Testament, and you think to yourself, "That is so like a different way of living." Like you obviously <laughs> are in a foreign country and in a foreign time, but that issue, so I mean, relevant. It yeah. is one of the most relevant <laughs> things I think we've studied recently. And come follow me, or you know, the New Testament study. In talking about living in a faith community and the the grittiness of getting to Zion, of building Zion, and how it includes things like that, because he gives both sides, right? right? Where he's like, okay, the issue is, should you eat the meat offered to idols? And on one side, he says to people, it's not that big a deal. So, so can you not, let it go? Right. <laughs> you know, can you let it go? But then to the other side, he says, I know, but if it's going to bother them, can you just not eat it? And they want to, and they want to say back, I know, but it's not that big a deal. And it's like, I know, I know, I know, I know. But you know, right. to, like there's, he talks to both sides and you're just like, you can feel that tug right. of war of like, ah. And, and Paul, Paul's so real there because it shows that like, hey, sometimes the unity of the group is more important. Now we have, groups also have to allow for diversity of thought, culture and, and worship as well. And so. That, that there's also a tension there that we have to learn how to work through and understand. Elder Christopherson, he says, only in Jesus Christ can we truly become one. The only way you could deal with that tension is if you're secure in Christ. Hmm. If you feel so loved by him 
that you don't need to constantly prove one that you're a part of the group or two that you're independent of the group. Hmm. You stop asking yourself that question and you start asking yourself, how can I help? Yeah. How can we make things go right? How yeah. can we build the kingdom of God? Right. Rather, it's very much like a modern thing to have to insist on being unique for the sake of it. Yeah, and it's, yeah, where am I getting my Sense identity worth, right, and yeah. worth and security from? And it's from the fact that just like, listen, I'm accepted and loved by the God of heaven, paid at the most ridiculously expensive price of sending his son. And it's like, I will forever be secure in that, that, oh, I actually could give up meat to idols and I'd be fine because I'm like, I, 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 don't, I don't actually have to eat that. Right. I don't have to like... Whatever, whatever everyone wants to do and something like that. Yeah. Great, because I'm good. Right. And so your bishop might say, hey, we want to do an activity at this night. And you might think, that's not the best time to do that or whatever. But a lot of the time, we're just, it's, it's meat offered to idols. We just deal with the complexity of being in community. Elder Christopherson says, becoming one in Christ happens one by one. We each begin with ourselves. Yeah, something we think about work towards and, and try ourselves. And right? yeah. because he says that we're dual beings of flesh and spirit and we war within ourselves. And so there is that like, oh, play out that tug of war. Come to a secure place in that own tug of war in your own, you know, where inside you say, like, I know there's something drawing me this way or that way. But, you know, I have, I'm going to choose to like be settled in this. He's just like, and then it moves out. In fact, he quotes that. One fella. Oh, what's his name? <laughs> oh, President Marion G. Romney, of course. That's the technical term, one fella. <laughs> Where he says this. It's so cool. It's like back to back. If a single person yielding to Satan is filled with the works of the flesh, he wars within himself. If two yield, they war within themselves and fight with each other. If many yield, a society reaps the harvest of great stress and contention. If the rulers of a country yield, there is worldwide contention. Ugh, and then important. the opposite of it, where it's just like, so likewise, the gospel of peace. If one person lives it, he has peace within himself. If there's two people both living the gospel of peace, like when they're together, like there's, it multiplies. There's something magic that happens. If citizens live it, it happens in a nation. If all the nations we're enjoying the fruits of the spirit, then and only then will the war drums throb no longer and the battle flags be furled. Man, great, great quote. It's you so know. good. This, but like that idea, like okay, it begins in me, and then I can begin to experience like yeah, that relationship. When you bring two people together who are like that, then then it happens. But is gritty, <laughs> you know, like yeah. to say war within yourself over that is is a real like war's not pleasant like war's intense right like there's some for him to use that kind of language and a fight for zion might kind of might be the right thing to say yeah and interestingly enough we're often not right within ourselves when we're not right with others mm. and so the quickest way to get right within ourselves as i say how should i be treating how others right now how should i be acting within community but when I know I'm not acting the way I should, I'm, I'm drawn on Terry Warner. I get unsettled in myself. I start blaming, full of justification. But when I'm right with God, right with others, then then it just naturally starts to spread. You know. Well, I feel like that's so easy to to experience and see that, like the times that you say the things to other people that you wouldn't have like. Obviously, that stemmed from. I feel like a lot of my apologies begin like this. 
I was super frustrated. Mm. And I entered into our conversation. I entered into this situation as a frustrated person, you know, or whatever, you know, that right, like, right. that's like the most, like, it's so easy to see that. Totally. Yeah. And that's why we should never talk about difficult things or high stakes things when we're worked up or having a hard time. We need to calm ourselves down, connect with the spirit and then discuss. And what I, what I love about Elder Christofferson's talk is he gives us an example of just that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, do you want to tell us the story of, of Brother Elder B.H. Roberts? Yeah, so this one is just like, it It actually um, just stirs up stuff in me where I'm just like, oh man, the reality of that. It's a raw story. It right, really is, right. Man. You know, and if you read it in Saints, like it's even, it's even more, more raw. <laughs> like he gives like a, like a shortened version of this that... Um, Elder B.H. Roberts was in the what we would now call the presidency of the 70, and he wanted to become um, a uh, member of the United States Congress. But it said, but Elder Christofferson says he didn't notify or seek permission from the first presidency. So he was actually um, censured in a general priesthood meeting for that by um, President Joseph F. Smith. And he Dude, lost... First of all, can you just imagine that? Someone being called out... By name. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, this is a this is a real... This is a complicated story. Right, right. right. Know, because, yeah. because then you have to like, okay, what were his intentions? President Joseph F. Smith, and he's an individual who's also warring within himself and trying to create Zion... Um, anyways, like all right, of these... Right. You're bringing, you bring people together, and it's like... There are going to be people who yeah, are together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, and so he loses the election, and he blames it on like those statements. He's like, "Well, obviously everybody heard what you said, and that's why they didn't vote for me." And and so he's super critical of like in all of his interviews and speeches about church leadership. He stopped being active in church service, and 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 there's just this. Then members of the twelve come to him, and they ask him for reconsider you know, like your position and everything. And just the, like, you know, submit, you know, words like that, like, or they grind against my, like, spirit, like my nature, where I'm just like, (laughs) I don't like, like some of those, you know, and I can just see easily people taking sides on this one and picking like, who's the right one. Right, right. Can you just, I can hear the arguments on both sides of this. Rational arguments and irrational arguments on both sides of this issue. Yeah, let me read this. It says, President Wolford Woodruff gave Elder Roberts three weeks to reconsider his position. If he remained unrepentant, they would release him from the 70. Yeah. So this is what I want to say. What happens in the next paragraph is, I think, super... The line's one of my favorite in the entire talk. It's really beautiful. But I think it's really, really important to say, we just got a summary of a situation that we don't know anything about, we don't know enough about, and we certainly don't know enough about what was going on inside the minds and hearts of anybody involved in this. So like, we had enough details of the story to realize like, oh, stir something in us that yeah, like, oh yeah, that is getting, you know, creating unity is gritty. But this is the important part. It says this, um, in, subs- in a subsequent private meeting with Apostles Heberger Grant and Francis Lyman, B.H. was initially unyielding, and then this line, but love and the Holy Spirit ultimately prevailed. And I think that's really important. No side should say, see, this side was right. See, the no one won. Who won is 
the Holy Spirit. Love and the Holy Spirit are what won out in the situation and they prevailed. And I think that's such a beautiful line. That's such a, like a, oh, a powerful thing to consider that such a thing can happen in a, in, in a, in a powder keg of a situation. Yeah, absolutely. That the Holy Spirit and love can diffuse that and win the day. Absolutely. And, and that means in working through that tension of being an individual and a community, I need to ask myself, how do we make God win? How do we make love win? How do we make goodness prevail? Elder Christopherson, he says, we can also see in this example that unity does not mean simply agreeing that everyone should do his or her own thing or go his or her own way. We cannot be one unless we all bend our efforts to the common cause. It means, in B.H. Roberts' words, submitting to the authority of God. And then he continues, and he says, that's the one half of it. Unity does not require sameness, but it does require harmony. We can have our hearts knit together in love, be one in faith and doctrine, and still cheer for different teams, disagree on various political issues, debate about goals and the right way to achieve them, and many other such things. There's a group of guys I hang out with once a month. We'll talk literature, sports, politics, and there are very different opinions about politics and movies, and those are some of the people I'm closest to. Mm. All faithful, covenant-keeping, Latter-day Saints, faith in the Savior. And I, and I am just convinced that at the heart, we actually uh, met each other uh, through just ward service, and we've just kept in contact and stayed friends over the years. And so that kind of foundation... I think is what allows us to have fun, talk, debate, and allow for harmony while still being unified in, in uh, our friendship. Yeah, and unified under a common cause, and Elder Christofferson says, under a common victory. Like, I don't have to be right, and you don't have to be right, because we actually share an ultimate triumph. Mm. We are, there, there is already a winner, and it's Christ Jesus who won our souls with love. That's authority. That's power over the devil, over death, over hell, over sin, like a triumph has already been won. And so as much as I don't want there to be everyone a winner in Little League, everyone is a a victor because of the ultimate victory of of Jesus Christ. And I, and I, and I think that's what he means when he says, our individual loyalty and love of Jesus, that he won, he won my level, loyalty, he won my love through that victory over a common enemy. That's what, I think that's what allows, that's the, that's the force that allows this to happen. Yeah. He, uh, Jesus felt ultimate isolation, ultimate separation, so that we could have ultimate unity, right? And if we remember, sin meant he was isolated from God and, and all things, and, but, but he defeated that, he overcame it, and he can infuse that love into our hearts. Oh, there's something real that we felt in that and also something hopeful and yearning that like, all, you know, is also in us with that. That kind of stuff is reviving. <laughs> all right. See y'all next week.